Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Did you meet someone new this morning? Connect with somebody you hadn't... Oh, a sister points at a brother. (laughs) Connect with somebody you hadn't. Um, During that time, it's great to just press in and, and, and say hello to somebody. But I hope throughout the morning of our service, you're also watching to see where God's at work. What is God doing? Where is he speaking? What is he saying in this moment? During that little three-minute connect time, I had one of our elders come up to me and one of my prayer intercessors come up to me. And so when two spiritual leaders come up, I'm like, whoa, Lord, what are you saying? So let's take a moment and just pray as we get ready to step into the Word and invite God to reveal what He wants us to see and experience this morning. Would you do that with me? Would you just bow your heart and let's pray. Heavenly Father, We do operate as people of schedules. We follow the clock. We plan and purpose. And we can easily get just caught up in what Sunday holds. We can easily just push through on a service and say, yes, we know we do this and then we do that and then the finish probably looks like this, but God... We want you to speak into your message, your word. Yes, God. Open our eyes and open our hearts so that we can see and hear you speak personally to us today. Father, you said you will never leave us. You spoke those words through your son, Jesus. You sent us your Holy Spirit. So we are left here today believing and knowing that you are here to meet with us. So come, Lord Jesus. Come and speak this morning. We praise you, God. Amen. Amen. I think I'm still to share the one verse I had prepared to share with you. So I've got one verse for you today. All right? It's not a big one. Last week, I think I walked us through like six or so chapters. You got a lot to, to chew on. But the one verse today is John from John chapter 5. Actually, there's two verses, but I'm going to narrow it down to the second part. John chapter 5, look at these two verses. So because Jesus was doing these things, these things are, he was healing a lame man on the Sabbath, on a, what we would say is equivalent to a Sunday Because he was doing this, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. I want to focus on that second verse, verse 17. My father is always at work, even to this day. And Jesus said to them, I too am working. I leave John chapter 5 with you to do your homework, do your research, go back and check it out this week. But I emphasize this concept 
Because I do believe it's what's been speaking to us. We've been following after it as we've done this study over the last six Sundays, looking at the life of Joseph, Joseph, the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham. We've been looking at this concept that God was at work in Joseph's life. And that was, if, that was, if this concept is true in Jesus' day, and Jesus only spoke out truth, then it was true in Joseph's day. And if it's true in Joseph's day, then it's also true today. Do you know that? Do you believe that? That God is at work here and now today. It may not be that God's problem that he can't be seen. It might have to be more to do with our own perspective and our own eyesight, our own spiritual discernment. But Jesus said, my father is at work and I too am working. And God said, I, I will continue to complete my work until the day I return and restore all things. You can find this in scripture. And so we're going to come with this concept in mind. And we're going to say, okay, God, if you are always at work, then would you show me where you are at work in my life, in the world around me? Show me, God, where you are at work, because I know I personally want to join him in what he's doing. Each one of us individually can do a lot on our own, can't we? We can accomplish a lot. There's some real doers in the room. I know that for sure. <laughs> There's some real work, hard workers in the room. We can accomplish a lot, but when we join God, God can do way more through us than we could ever do on our own. Does anyone agree with that? Have you seen it and experienced it? If you haven't, then I invite you to, to pray into this message and say, oh God, if this is true, then I want to see it and experience it in my life as well. Over the past six Sundays, We've been looking at the life of Joseph. We backed up to 1600 to 1700 BC. And we've looked at the life of Joseph and all that he has experienced down through time. We looked at him and his family and his 11 other brothers and his dad. And this, this was the, the flow chart that we were looking at over the last six Sundays, right? And we're looking at how from the beginning of time, God has been at work to unfold his promises. And he chose Joseph's family through his great-grandfather Abraham to, to bring, God chose to bring his plan and purposes through them. And we hung out right here in the middle a whole lot. <laughs> we touched on some other members of the family. But today, I want to go through what happened after this family came to Egypt all the way through to Jesus. I'm going to take us on some little steps to go from, from Joseph to Jesus, and there's a guy I'm going to talk about right in the middle, and you're going to hear about him in just a moment. But what we heard over these past six weeks is Joseph's family was not perfect. What were they? They, they were broken, right? They were dysfunctional. They were messed up. They were not walking in the purity and the ways of God. There was favoritism of Jacob picking one of his 11 sons, and he said, that's my favorite. And, and the other brothers knew it. That's, Mom and Dad, that's not a healthy thing to do, okay? <laughs> Don't follow that example that you read here of Jacob. We also saw that Joseph's brothers were je jealous. They were envious, and rightly so, because Joseph was kind of boasting about some of his dreams that he believed God gave him, and hey, this is what you're going to see me do, and you guys are going to serve me, and that's not the right way to communicate God's message either. 
So there's a lot of dysfunction in these families. You heard Nick talk about it in, as he unpacked, Pastor Nick unpacked uh, the story of Judah and Judah's um, immor- immorality, his sexual immorality. You heard that Judah was following, like looking at his father Jacob, who had two wives, and, and they each had servants, and he, Jacob was getting children through all these women. And so what kind of father figure is this for the boys to follow after and the girls in the family? So we see that this family was broken. That's what we looked at over a number of weeks. But God continued to reveal himself and to work through Joseph's family. It became visible and evident that God was there and working. Even in this unholy family, even in this broken family, God was unfolding his gospel message, his good news that would impact the generations that were yet to come. Again, if you want to read this account of Joseph because you weren't with us for these past six Sundays, where do you find it? In the book of? I thought somebody was going to say the Bible. (laughs) Or the book of Joseph. It's in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. You can go there and read about Joseph's life. One of the impact students said to me, Ah, Pastor Brian, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't read this in a long time. And I was thinking, he's, he's 15 years old. Well, he's 15 years old. And, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm probably three, over three times his age. How many times have I read this? How many times have you read this and said, God, teach me through the family of Joseph? And today, I'm going to tell you not only about, we're going to wrap up our time with Joseph, but I'm going to reveal a bit of the connection there is with Moses. And then I'm going to take us to Jesus. And I'm not preaching on every verse that is described in the Bible about these guys. But I want you to see from Joseph, there's a connection with Moses that points us and reflects Jesus. You see, God purposed one day to deliver all people from sin, from captivity, into life and all eternity. And what God chose to do was that he chose to preserve his good news about life, to preserve that through Joseph. God then delivered his people through Moses, and he saves his people through Jesus. That's a little bit of what I'm talking about this morning. And this morning, it's as we enter this new three-week focus on Passover. Because the Passover is going to get us ready for Easter. And over these next three weeks, this morning being the first one, we're going to keep pointing toward Passover, and you're going to hear more about it. So it's going to prime and get your heart ready for Holy Week, the week of Palm Sunday, the cross on Friday, Resurrection Sunday. All of this God is building into us to draw us to be ready for how he's working. So I want you to see that God's plan of preserving his people in Egypt was so that he could deliver his people out of Egypt to a Savior that would redeem them for all time. That's what I'm going to try and capture for us in our time here this morning. I'm touching on Joseph, Moses, Jesus. What was the only verse I said I would speak out today? John 5, 16 and 17. So go lean on 17, all right? John 5, 17. You can write that one down. Now, if you are taking notes this morning, 
And you want to take notes about the comparison of Joseph, Moses, and Jesus. Draw for yourself a little table. Put the three guys at the top, okay? And maybe put seven categories down the side. And we're going to compare them and look at them. This is not an exhaustive comparison. This is just an overview. So you could see how God used the stepping from Joseph to Moses to Jesus that gets to us. That's where I'm going to go this morning. Let me talk about it first and how God was working in each of their lives right from the beginning. In each of these men, there is insights that God was working in their lives. We study Joseph, how God showed up very early in his life. We, we know that his dad, Jacob, favored him. And why did he favor Joseph? We, we don't totally know. But maybe there was something going on in Joseph that Jacob could recognize that God is God is going to use this son of mine for something specific. And so we know at around the age 17 that Joseph began to have dreams that only could be equated to God and only got fulfilled by God. We read that, that, that God was speaking very early into Joseph's life. Jacob couldn't handle it. Joseph couldn't handle it. Definitely the brothers couldn't handle it. Let's learn from that. When God shows up to somebody in a young age, let's not just say it can't be God. <laughs> it's got to be silliness. They're too young. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Because when you come to Moses, Moses was born at a time when, when the Israelites were mass multiplying. <laughs> the Israelites were increasing and increasing in number in Egypt. From the time of Joseph to the time of Moses, the, the population of the Israelites were, was rapidly increasing. So much so that the new Pharaoh that was now in charge of Egypt was really afraid that they were going to become outnumbered. And what if the Egyptians turn against us, he said. So here's what I want you to do. Midwives, when you're delivering the Hebrew children, I want you to take the life of every Hebrew boy that's born. Because we got to stop their increase somehow. Isn't that insane? Isn't that crazy? And God had a boy who was being born that he wanted to use in his greater plan. And something stirred in Moses' mother. Something stirred in Moses' mother and daughter to say, um, and in Moses' sister, Miriam, to say, we need to protect him. You know the story of Moses. And they put him in a little basket, and she placed him in the river. Mom's going to picture it. And sent him off because it was safer for him to be in this basket in the river than at the hands of the Pharaoh. There was something happening that God wanted to preserve and protect that life because he was going to work through it. Now come forward to the life and the birth of Jesus. Jesus, we know that a huge announcement happened when Jesus was born into this world. Like, you know, stars were lighting up, kings were coming from the east, angels were appearing. You know all that. We, they count, we, we focus in on at Christmas. But there was a king who was in charge at the time. His name was King Herod. And King Herod, again, insecurities. And he's like, no, I want you to kill every Hebrew boy that was born two years and younger. Because if there's a king that's going to try and take my place, I want him wiped out. Once again, God protected Jesus. And where did Mary and Joseph take Jesus? Where did the angel tell him to go to protect Jesus? Send him to Egypt. <laughs> are you seeing some connections that are just like, God, <laughs> wow, if anybody studied your plan, they could probably go to Egypt and intercept what you were trying to do. <laughs> but God's greater than that. Let's go to the next step of comparison. Let's look at the calling on these three men. 
It was at the age of 17 that Joseph started to have these dreams. These dreams that, that he didn't totally understand. I mean, he's just like, I don't know, can I tell you about my dream? And he, and he blurted it out. We looked last Sunday in our message that it was 22 years later. So he was 17 when he got the dreams. How old was he 22 years later? 37, 39, somewhere right in there. He was 39. Now, a few of you pointed out to me last week something in connecting in numbers because you were studying numbers, that uh, he was 17, 22 years later, 39. Last Sunday was our 39th birthday. So everybody's like, oh, 39, did you do under-? I didn't even put that together, all right? I don't know. Ask God about that. I'm not, I'm not speaking into that. But, but Joseph's calling started when he was young, and it was 22 years later that his eyes were open, and he was like, oh, man. God, you meant this for a greater reason. Moses took a little bit longer. <laughs> Moses was raised in Egypt, right? He was brought out of the Nile. He was raised by one of Pharaoh's daughters. He was protected, but he would have been raised Egyptian. He would have learned Egyptian. He would have dressed Egyptian. He would have tried to be molded in, but he knew there was another people that he was a part of. And so he went to explore and find them. And scholars think he might have been in his early 20s when he kind of left the palace and went looking for these, these Jews, these Hebrews that were, were his ancestors. And if you read the story of Moses, Moses had some brokenness in his heart. He had some evil in his heart. He ended up killing an Egyptian. And then he ran away for 40 years. All this time, God was doing something to call Moses that, no, no, I've chosen you. For, Moses spent 40 years in the desert. 40 years. Now he met, he spent it with the Midianites. He met his wife there. They had children there. But God all the time was working on Moses' heart and saying, Moses, I got something for you to do. And one day, God shows up in the form of a burning bush. That got Moses' attention. And that was the moment of Moses calling to say, God said, I want you to go back to Egypt because I want to deliver my people out of that land and I'm going to use you to do it. Now, Jesus, when did Jesus' calling hit him? So we talked about Joseph, Moses, now Jesus. Scripture doesn't really reveal it. <laughs> doesn't, we don't know when the light came on. We don't know when the envisioning happened, the affirmation. Maybe Jesus' young boy always knew my father has called me and sent me for something greater here. We know at the age of 12, when Jesus skipped out on the family parade, and he, and he went to the temple and sat down and listened to the teachings about his heavenly father. Because when his mom and dad found him, he said, didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house and be in his learning? So something was revealing in Jesus' heart for God's plan and purpose, and Jesus continued to follow the father Right through to, that's why he could boldly say in John chapter 5, verse 17, my father's at work, and he's always been working, up until today too, and I am working as well. Jesus entered into the work of the father. Let's talk about some of their experiences, these three guys. They had experiences in Egypt. We know that Joseph was a slave, sold to Egypt, Right? That's where he ended up, and he was a slave there. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. We know then he went to prison, falsely accused, but then was put in prison. We studied how he was there for two years before he was taken out and placed in a palace. 
come to Moses' experience in Egypt. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He, he became Egyptian in so many ways because of the upbringing that he had. He fled from Egypt when he ended up killing an Egyptian out of anger. But then God called him to go back to Egypt because I'm not finished with my people. And Moses, I want you to be a part of this. And then we read about Jesus and how Jesus' parents took him to Egypt. They fled there. An angel sent them with a word saying, go there until I release you. And an angel spoke to Joseph and Mary and said, it's safe to go back now. These are some of the experiences between what God was doing and using this country of Egypt for part of his plan and purpose. Don't ever count, discount a country. Don't ever discount a leader. Don't ever discount your family that surely God wouldn't use us. Egypt worshipped other gods, not the God of heaven. Egypt had its own um, hierarchy of, of worship and devotion and sacrifice. It wasn't honoring the God of heaven. But that doesn't limit God, our God, from working there to bring about his purposes. Think about the heart connects of each one of these guys. Their hearts were drawn to the people along each stage of the way. And some of it came out with compassion and, and mercy. With, with Joseph, we read seven times he wept. It was kind of fun when I was doing this study and I came to the verse where it said, Joseph wept. I'm like, I've read that somewhere else before, haven't I? <laughs> when Jesus wept. Joseph wept over the, the understanding that God was reconciling him back with his brothers. Joseph wept when he saw his father coming with the rest of the family, 70 of them that came down from Canaan into Egypt. Joseph wept when he hugged his brothers and held on to them. Moses had some emotion. <laughs> he expressed his emotion. There were times he was angry. He was upset. We know that Moses expressed some of his, his, his emotion by striking a rock, and God didn't tell him to do that. He struck a rock out of anger. Maybe Joseph had wanted to strike the rock years ago. But it was Moses who let his emotions get the best of him and reacted. And I note from that point on, Moses walked humbly with God. Because he realized his mistake. And he, he was ready to receive whatever God would say was his consequence. But Moses was stirred for emotion of what God was doing. Then we see Jesus' compassion. He had compassion on all the people. He had compassion just looking out at them and seeing what they needed of forgiveness, of healing, of restoration. And Jesus knew the source. And I believe that's what welled up the tears within him. Just looking out and saying, my father has what you need. Hmm. Oh, so much here. The sacrifice of each of these guys. I'm giving you a bit of picture because I don't think we are that much different from Joseph or Moses. And we definitely need to be connected with Jesus. I want you to see the picture within how God worked in each of these lives to bring about his purpose and his plan. Each of them had to be involved in some self-sacrifice. There was a moment when Joseph had to recognize, I've lost my family. My parents, my brothers sold me. 
He had to release all of his own personal dreams. God, I, I know you've still given me these two dreams, but, but what about my dreams? <laughs> what about what I wanted to do? He had to let go of that. Moses had to give up Egypt as well. He fled into a new people and a new land. And then eventually he had to leave that land to go back because of what God had called him to do. God wanted to use Moses to introduce the very first sacrificial lamb. You're going to hear more about that message next Sunday. But then we come to Jesus, and most of you know the sacrifice Jesus offered for God at work to fulfill his plan. Jesus ended up giving up everything for the work of God to be accomplished for the sake of this world. So let's come to some, some analysis of this. If I were to summarize some of these statements of that chart I just unpacked for you, Joseph, Joseph led the people out of starvation. Moses led the people out of slavery. Jesus led all people out of sin. Through Joseph, the people passed over from famine into provision and plenty. Through Moses, the people passed through captivity and hardship into the promised land. Through Jesus, all people can be delivered from sin through salvation. Can you see how God's plan was continually bringing people along to get us to the place where we'd be ready to receive his bigger plans? Our series over the last six weeks was called The Gospel Unfolded, Joseph's Story. And that's true that God unfolded his gospel message, his good news through Joseph. We had front row seats to analyze it through Joseph's family over the past few weeks. Through Moses, I believe the gospel was preserved. Moses and his people lived an accumulation of 400 years after Joseph. From that time of Joseph till the time of Moses was 400 years. And yet there was something there still in God's heartbeat within his people that he said, I want to bring this good news farther. I want to bring the good news back to the promised land. I want to call my people out of Egypt because I have more revelation for this world to experience that I have good news for them, that they all can be set free. And so through Moses, he preserved the gospel. Now we know through Jesus, he fulfilled the gospel, right? Jesus, the, the gospel means the good news of salvation, the good news of being set free from the propensity to sin, to do evil. And that happens through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is a plan of God that was at work throughout history, through to the day of Jesus, and he's not done working yet. The two words when we were singing in worship, do it, oh, three, do it again. Do it again, God. Not do salvation again, but reveal yourself again. Make your love known again. Let people experience Jesus in a fresh new way again. Today is the first day of transitioning from the story of Joseph into this Passover focus. Next Sunday morning, we've invited Rabbi, Rabbi Jeff Foreman. And Rabbi Jeff has been here at Koinonia before. 
We have relationship through, with him through our minister's network. And so I got to meet Pastor, or Pastor Rabbi Jeff and talk to him and just say, Rabbi Jeff, would you come and talk to us about Passover and some of the spring feasts that we read about in Scripture? Because you know Jewish history. You know the Hebrew Scriptures. And yet you see all of it through the eyes of Jesus Christ. You know that God sent his son. And so Rabbi Jeff's going to be with us to unpack the depth of Passover. And then on our third focus on Passover, we've invited Jeremy Dorton. And Jeremy's going to come in and lead us in an experiential message about the Seder meal right here on the platform. And he's going to walk us through the meaning of what a Jewish family would have, why they participated in such a meal of Passover and what the focus was. We know it through our lens but let's see it through the Jewish historical lens to understand how God was at work through this people to bring salvation to this world. That's where we're going over the next few weeks. But God has been at work since the beginning of time. What got in the way of people seeing that it was God who was at work? Think about some of those things. In Joseph's day, what got in the way of people seeing that it was actually God who was at work. Um, Joseph's pride. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of Joseph's arrogance. Hey, hey, I had some amazing dream. You know, and that blocked people from even listening. Their jealousy rose up. And they couldn't hear or believe that God actually could use their younger brother. Or Jacob's kid, his 11th kid. 11th, whoever uses the 11th kid. If God's going to use one, it'd be the first kid. <laughs> There was lots of things that got in the way from people seeing that God was at work. What got in the way of people seeing God at work in Moses' day? Maybe it was his own fears, Moses' fears, that I can't talk well. Maybe, maybe it was Moses stumbling and stuttering. Maybe it was Moses taking matters into his own hands. Oh no, look, see, God can't be at work. Look at, look at he's angry. He's an angry leader. Maybe it's when we read that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Obviously, God's not at work in this because, you know, God's like, he's, he wouldn't work against himself, would he? What got in the way of people seeing God at work in Jesus' day? Was it their own narrow-mindedness? Was it their arrogance? Was it their disbelief or lack of faith that God could, in heaven could possibly care about anything here on this earth? And they say, God is, God is gone. God is no longer here. God doesn't care about us. We know God has been work all through the history of time. We can see it. We can read it. We know it's there. But sometimes it's even hard for us today to see God at work right here and now, isn't it? When something happens to us that rocks our world, we say, God, where are you? Or maybe we say, God, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened to me. We look through our own expectation, our own perception of how God should show up for us, and then we erase the fact that God could still be at work when something devastating happens. I ask you again, do you believe that God is at work today? Do you believe that God is working in your life, in your world today? That's a little bigger question to answer, isn't it? John 5, 17. 
take this verse home with you. Jesus answered them and said, my father has been working and he still is up to this day and I too am working. That means the answer is yes. God has worked today and he's in work in your world right where you are. So then your prayer can be, God, open my eyes. Let me see. Maybe it's got to be through worship and you need to go back to your worship mat or your worship room or your worship time and, and just say, God, speak to me today. Maybe it's through prayer and you need to get down on your knees and just say, oh, God, I, I want to go to this that I've got scheduled today, but I, I want to see how you're working my life. Maybe it's you and a friend and you've got to study the word together. Say, friend, would you sit with me? Let's look and see the evidence of where God shows up through history. Let's reread Joseph together again. Let's read Moses because if it first introduced the first sacrificial lamb of Passover, I want to know it and be ready for what Rabbi Jeff's going to talk about. What is the way in this world where, God are pe- seeing, where people are seeing God's plan at work? Do they see God at work, or are they blocked from seeing it? Sin will block people from seeing God at work. Sexual immorality will block people from seeing God at work. Entering into anything that's disobeying God will block us from seeing God at work. Our own selfish agendas could be the very blinders that prevent us from seeing God at work because I'm focused on what I want right here in front of my nose. And God's calling us to say, lay all that stuff down. (laughs) Unburden yourself from it. Yield it so that I can show you what I want to do. Are you seeing God at work in your life? Or is pain, is sorrow, is discouragement, are unmet expectations, unanswered prayers, like the wall just keeps getting piled up and then you can't see God? Friends, I'm not here because I get paid to do this. I I could have another pastor teacher up here speaking. I'm stepping into this message because I believe it's true that God is at work. And you know that I share this with you, that we don't go away, Rebecca and I, through the week and just, you know, have a rosy life and then come back and say, okay, you guys have to believe this because your life's hard. No, Rebecca just spent the last two days with one of her best friends from high school, a friend who was in our wedding who's still, they are just as close. They kept this close connection. But this friend was diagnosed with brain cancer back in November. Some symptoms were showing up and they were like, well, we got to get you in right away. Within 48 hours, she had surgery to remove a tumor from her brain. The diagnosis was, if you have treatment, you might have a year to 18 months to live. Without treatment, it's going to be a lot less. They're believers. We know them. We've had great times talking about God and how he's at work. And so we stop and we go, God, where are you at work right now? We know what we want. We know the outcome that we're dreaming of, that we want to pray for. We don't want her four teenage kids to be left without a mom. We don't want her husband to be left alone. We want, we're, we're planning holidays with them. We had great ideas and more just life to live. But God, Show us where you are at work. That story is just one. You have your own stories, challenges, family situations, 
where I know it's like, oh, Brian, this, it might re- this message might relate to everybody else, but not me. Now you can say, this message relates to you. Because God sees you, and he cares about you. And I believe this morning a word that was brought to me is true, that God wants you to take your burdens and unburden yourself and lay them down before your heavenly Father, before the only person in this universe who understands your pain and your hurt, the unmet expectations, the discouragements, the promotions you didn't get, the abandonment from a potential spouse or maybe from a married spouse, bring them to God and lay them down and say, God, I do believe you're at work. And be honest, you can admit and say, God, I just can't see where you're working right now. But I want to see you work. I know your outcomes are better than my anger or bitter root. I release that to you, God. And I want to see you work. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. He knew what we would carry in life. But he said, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Oh, is there anyone here who needs rest for their soul? Yeah, yeah. Let God see your raised heart of your hand, the raised heart of your thoughts. Say, God, I I need rest. I know rest will be when I see you where you're at work, and I will trust you'll reveal it. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be this Easter, God, that you show me. But, oh, God, if I need to wait 22 years, I want my eyes to be on you through that because I'm never going to make it. I yield even my expectation of a timeline, God, because your time is best. He is the God of restoration and reconciliation. When we yield to him, he'll give us the grace we need to walk through one year or two or 20 years. I'm not predicting years. And it doesn't even have to be. God could do it in 20 seconds. But what he wants you to do is come and yield to him. Say, give me, unburden yourself. And let me take you on my journey. Because my grace is sufficient for you. Friends, let's go into prayer personal prayer. This is individual. This is you. All right? Why don't you just bow your head? Um, Even just close your eyes. Wherever you're at, and, and you know how God's speaking to your heart. Just keep your eyes closed at the moment, but I'm going to confess something when I, when I was a kid growing up in church in services, I watched the clock instead of looked for where God was at work. I couldn't wait for the service to be over and just get out from here. But when I yielded, I could feel God speaking to my heart, pulling at me. And even then I would resist. (laughs) And eventually, you know, the day that was a breakthrough, when I didn't care what the people around me were thinking of me, when I didn't worry about the clock, (laughs) I just knelt down, maybe right in the pew, the front of the chair where I was, 
our church had an, an altar that you could come up and kneel at, and I many times would go up there. And those were some of the greatest breakthrough moments. God didn't give me in that moment, okay, Brian, here's this five-step thing for your life. Here's what I've got mapped out for you. I want you, no. What he gave me was his grace. And let me know he was with me to go the next four years, the next two years, the next 30 years. And so I encourage you, don't let another moment go by without saying, God, right here today, on this day, March 12th, I want to unburden myself from my unhealthy expectations of you, my bitterness toward you, my dumbfoundedness that I just can't see how you possibly could still be at work because it looks like just pain and a path of sorrow. I unburden myself, God. I release it and I lay it. I'm going to picture myself, Jesus, laying it right at your feet and to set it right down there. And Jesus, what you said to us in Matthew 11, as you said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You said, take my yoke. So God, I'm going to lay my burden down. And Jesus, I may not fully understand this, but I'm going to, I'm going to take and yoke myself with you. <laughs> I can't believe you want to be equally yoked with me, seen with me. But I'll humble myself and say, I yield and I want to be with you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are working and speaking in this room. And I ask you to keep doing that in this moment. Keep speaking to the hearts of your sons and your daughters. And just keep telling them, yes, I will take that from you. Yes, I will receive that. Yes, give me that hurt. Give me that unforgiveness. Yes, let them hear you say it again and again, Jesus. Through the Father, you're saying, I take that from you. I receive that. You don't have to carry that anymore, my son. You don't have to carry that anymore, daughter. Give it to me. And Father God, may you just breathe out your grace. Breathe your grace, just like you breathed over the waters and you created, God, your breath and things came into being. Breathe over your sons and daughters this morning, God. Speak to them today. Father, let them experience your touch of grace and peace. Let them hear your words saying, I've got you, and I've got you, and I've got you. Come with me. Come with me.
keep ministering while we lift toward you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.